the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It is indeed. And hour number two is underway now at nine minutes past 10 o'clock on AM 1420. The answer. It's a Friday. We like to call it a free for all Friday, although it's not so much today, the 26th morning of the 10th month of the year of our Lord 2018. This is the governor of the United States of America, much to our chagrin. Now, they're marching north. And you know what? It could easily have been all of us that we're in the caravan, that we're marching north trying to save our families and save our children. We've got to start putting ourselves in the shoes of other people. We've got to start thinking about the consequences that others suffer. And if we've been spared those by the grace of God, let us be let us be appreciative. Let us count our blessings. Okay, Governor Kasich, that's fine. How many millions of Americans are homeless in the United States of America right now? How many millions? Many, many millions. There but for the grace of God go all of us, as you just said. When is the last time you opened your front door? And I don't mean the Ohio governor's mansion. I mean your own home to let millions who are, who are struggling to find a better life for themselves to come and live with you, to use your resources. When is the last time that you did that? You didn't, so shut up. I can't. January cannot get here fast enough just so that we can get John Kasich out of our state and out of our representation. Peter Kersenow is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is an attorney. He is the author of outstanding bestsellers, Target Omega and Second Strike, and he's my guest on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, good morning. Morning, Bob. 323 days to the first game of the 2019 World Series, which the Indians will probably take 5-2. to two. Hey, before we get started, I want to I want also thank, um, uh, I had the opportunity to speak uh, Wednesday night before the Cuyahoga Valley Republicans, and it was a great turnout, a lot of great folks there. I want to thank them there, and all the groups that uh, 
traditionally have me speak uh, throughout uh, Northeast Ohio. You know, I, there are too many to, ne- to mention. Medina County family, uh, friends and neighbors, Southeast Republicans, on and on and on. They're just great groups, good Americans, and they don't deserve uh, a governor like John Kasich. Completely agree. And by the way, a little program note here. The next governor of Ohio is going to be joining me after Peter Kersenow leaves at about 1035. We'll talk to Mike DeWine. Um, yeah, so, so let, let's just start there, obviously, because, you know, here's Governor Kasich joining the Democrats in playing the compassion card. Oh, my goodness gracious. You wouldn't want, you, you wouldn't want to have to live under those conditions. We all know that we are blessed to be in the United States of America. But the reason we are blessed by being in this country, Pete, is because of what we have made this country, what this country has made of itself and that will be torn apart if we surrender those and then it won't be a blessing for anyone those who are born here or those who come here if it is allowed to be torn down into a third world nation because we are a nation of no laws how is it that these uh, elected officials don't understand that well if those were seven thousand or whatever the current number is um potential gubernatorial candidates or lawyers or journalists coming up here to take their jobs, you better believe that wall would have been up yesterday. (laughs) But it's a different story when we've got these migrants who have no skills or low skills, and they're going to be competing against low-skilled or no-skilled Americans and throwing them out of a job. Then you can play the compassion card and be high and mighty. It's very easy to make these grand pronouncements that someone like a Kasich or all the talking heads on TV do when their jobs are not in jeopardy. But beyond that, Bob, remember, these 7,000 aren't being prevented from coming to America if they do so lawfully. We have the most generous immigration system in the world, provided you present yourself lawfully at a point of entry. Yet they've decided that their first act upon getting into America is to break our laws. Why should we permit anybody, and this is an invasion, this is not simply you know a couple of people coming across the border, this is a full-throated invasion, but why should we tolerate the breaking of our laws when we already permit people to come here if you just go through the process? They choose to ignore our laws, and yet we have politicians, elected politicians, pompously lecturing us as if they are holier than any one of us, that they have greater compassion than any one of us. And I would like to see 7,000 people show up on John Kasich's lawn and say, hey, give us a job because you want us here right now. Give us a job. And you know what? I'd like your job for the remainder of your tenure. Then we'd see a, probably a different tune being played. I know this, that as a labor and employment lawyer, I deal with people who get displaced all the time. And we know it's the low-skilled workers who are going to be uh, thrown out of jobs because of the competition from the low-skilled labor. There's, this is not a secret. Every, every one of your listeners knows it. Everybody who has been thrown out of a job because of low-skilled competition knows that you bring in these folks who will be willing to work for money under the table, without benefits, all manner of things, and many of them are outstanding workers. Let's face it, there's no problem with their work ethic necessarily for those who are going to work as opposed to those who are going to be engaged in criminal activities. But, you know, there are a lot of employers out there who would prefer to have people who aren't going to be complaining to the Fair Labor Standard, or uh, I'm sorry, the Wage and Hour Division of the Department of Labor or the EEOC or the National Labor Relations Board and will pay for um, their own benefits or take care of their own benefits so they don't have to be supplied by the employer and will pay wages, the employer can pay wages below the statutory minimums. Uh, Very nice, Mr. Kasich, very nice, Governor Kasich. Go ahead and pontificate as much as you want to. 
and he will indeed. Uh, Pete, let me let me ask you. You say it's an invasion. You're right, of course. Uh, let me tap into your expertise of the law and your knowledge of the Constitution. How does the president stop this? He tweeted uh, to all members of the caravan, turn around. We are not letting you into the United States. Go back to your country, and if you want to apply for citizenship like millions of others, and even not citizenship, but but visitation status or worker status for a work visa, do it like millions of others are doing. How constitutionally and legally can he do it? Um, you know, he said he'll send 800 troops up there to join the already 2,100 National Guardsmen who are, watch- who are uh, watching the border, and that's fine, but they're not going to shoot. They're not going to run people down with tanks. Um, they're still going to be able to get to our port of entry. Can the president, by executive order, uh, declare that the rules on asylum claim be changed uh, in order to stop this uh, when they get here in a week or two, however long it's going to take them? Well, you know, as we discussed, and I think it was on the Hugh Hewitt show this week, Bob, we discussed the fact that the president, the president does have plenary authority with respect to immigration matters to exclude a certain segment of uh, uh, aliens from coming into the country. Any segment, any, any, any right. segment, according to the INA. Right. Uh, he can declare them national security risks. He can do all kinds of things. And we remember that that was challenged, and he finally prevailed when you had the so-called travel ban. Okay, mm-hmm. so that does fit into his um, toolbox of remedies for protecting the border. In addition to that, and some of the things that are, you know, look, some of it hasn't been legally tested, but we have, as I think we talked about on the Hewitt Show, he can request that governors along the border call up the National Guard. He has the ability to even federalize them, and they can provide support assistance. The problem there is that it butts up against the Posse Comitatus Act, which essentially prohibits the military from engaging in traditional law enforcement activities such as interdiction, arrest, search and seizure, all those kinds of things. Uh, The law, however, is relatively unclear and untested on that. The, uh, I would say, the conventional wisdom, though, among legal scholars is that those troops could only be engaged in support activities for Border Patrol, ICE, and others, but couldn't be engaged in full-throated interdiction, as I indicated, because of the Posse Comitatus Act. Now, having said that, there's a lot of gray areas out there. Um, You have a constitutional provision, uh, Article 4, Section 4, that requires the federal government to protect the states against invasion. Now, what's the definition of invasion? Well, um, it's an assault on our sovereignty. It's a unlawful crossing of the border. Uh, but that, again, hasn't been fully fleshed out as to what that uh, is legally. But if the president determines that this is a national emergency, that we are being uh, invaded from without, he would have the ability to do whatever it takes to protect the borders, and arguably that includes using the armed forces. For example, if Mexico decided all of a sudden that it's going to invade us, and remember we had this back in the early 1900s when we had the punitive expeditions against Mexico when Pancho Villa crossed the border and killed Americans and did, uh, performed raids in Texas and New Mexico. Uh, in fact, that was Patton's first true military engagement. General Pershing was engaged in the punitive expeditions against Pancho Villa. Um, A little bit different now, no doubt about it. You had different borders back then. You know, the territories uh, were different back then. And we had a a true incursion, a military incursion on American territories. But nonetheless, the logic is that states do not have the wherewithal 
to protect themselves against incursions from foreign entities or foreign actors. And we don't have a true legal definition yet as to whether or not this particular caravan, as they call it, coming across, would constitute an Article 4, Section 4 invasion. But I think a good argument for that can be made when you've got 7,000 or how many number of individuals coming across here marching holding a foreign flag exactly already they have they have traversed unlawfully even though they've been permitted to do this through another country they have proclaimed their intent to break our law by crossing our border without legal authority to do so they may not be carrying weapons but they are coming on mass, which is the traditional definition of an invasion. There's absolutely no doubt whatsoever that the media and the left, but I repeat myself, will go absolutely berserk if Trump invokes an Article 4, Section 4 premise to secure the borders. They will go nuts and they're going to be... Let him go berserk. Let him go berserk. They're already berserk. They're blaming the president saying he is sending pipe bombs to Democrats. So you know what? They're they're already unreasonable. They're already unhinged. Let them go berserk. Do what you have to do to stop this. Pete, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm going to get our traffic here anyway, and then I want to come back and talk about those pipe bombs. I'm going to go come back and talk about civility in American politics and hypocrisy on the American left. Peter Kirstenau with us, uh, continues with us right after this. Five eight five zero. All right, ten twenty four. The Bob France Authority continues on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. A reminder coming up after the bottom of the hour at ten thirty five. The uh, next Ohio governor, Mike DeWine, will be joining us to talk about uh, the last two weeks or that last week and a half now, roughly, of this race. So we're looking forward to that. For now, though, we go back to Peter Kurse now, U.S. Civil Rights Commissioner and Cleveland Attorney, as well as best selling author Pete. Um, we don't know a thing, and I mean literally nothing. We will. I have no doubt that our FBI and our and our intelligence agencies, uh, along with local and state uh, police departments, will all pull their resources together and figure out who's sending these uh, ridiculous phony pipe bombs to prominent Democrats. But at this point in time, we know nothing about them, and yet the left has declared these are Republicans who are following Donald Trump's orders by going after his biggest critics, including the Obamas and the Bidens and the Holders and the Waters and the Book of the world and CNN as well. They are already pronouncing the president guilty and have declared him to be unfit for office because he won't admit to it right now. We have no idea what is going on, but what we do know is that civility in the United States when it comes to politics is dead. When the left has a long, long, long litany of Democratic elected officials calling for physical assaults on, on Trump supporters in public places, and no one repudiates them, and now they immediately go after the Republicans on this case, I don't think there is any hope of reconciliation between the two parties. What say you? I'm unfortunately in agreement with you, Bob. I think in the near future, there's not going to be any kind of reconciliation. And, you know, the left for years now has been engaged with relative impunity, at least in terms of any kind of admonition from their own leaders or the media or elected officials engaged in political violence. It's almost all been coming from the left. But every time there is something that might arguably at least looks like it might be coming from the right, it is Armageddon as far as they're concerned. But here's the interesting thing. Um, And when I was out at uh, the um, uh, Cuyahoga Valley Republicans, these folks got it, your uh, audience members know it, and that is the media has so 
trashed its credibility that the minute, as you said, we don't know who it is, but the minute this story came up, almost 95 to 100% of conservatives and independents suspected that this might not have anything whatsoever to do with anything except a hoax perpetrated by the left. We don't know that yet. We don't know that. It may not, it may not turn out to be the case. But the point is, the media has lost control of the narrative completely. And the more they keep up with this trashing of Trump, trashing of people on the right, presuming that political violence must be coming from the right, the more they undermine their own credibility, if that's even possible. But I thought it was in- extremely interesting that almost to a person, there was, there was a, the gathering I was at on Wednesday was, was uh, large, it was diverse, we had a lot of people there, but everybody believed or everyone was skeptical about what the media was trying to sell. And I think that's a good thing. The other good thing is we have a commander-in-chief that doesn't stay in the lanes that the media provides for it. And remember, for as long as I've been alive, Republicans and conservatives, or many conservatives, some of the never-Trumpers at least, dutifully stay in the lanes that the left and the media, but I repeat myself, provide for them. And you know, Bob, having run track or anything like that, if somebody says, you've got to run on the outside lane, you're going to come in last if somebody's got the inside lane. But Republicans and conservatives for such a long time have stayed in the lane that the media says we have to stay in. Trump says, are you kidding me? I'm running on the inside lane, and I'm faster than you are, I'm smarter than you are, and we're going to win. And other conservatives need to do just that. Don't stay in the lane the media provides. That doesn't mean that we you know, are incendiary, that we do things that the left does or anything else like that, but it does mean we no longer take our marching orders or even suggestions from the media. And whenever the media engages in this kind of despicable behavior where it automatically trashes either Trump or conservatives and claims immediately that this is violence on the right and completely forgets about the manifest examples, manifold examples of violence on the left, we're simply not going to take it anymore. We're not going to take it. It's like that old um, uh, network, uh, Howard Beale, I think it was, who said, I'm mad as, you know, and I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah, and you know, nor should we. And and, and again, I, I'm just I'm just trending on uh, Wednesday, Pete, on Twitter. And I know you don't do Twitter because you are far, far, far smarter than the rest of us who do. Um, but but trending on Twitter was MAGA bomber. Uh, they called it the MAGA bomber. In other words, this is clear. This is before again. We still don't know anything now on Friday. But then it was it was fresh as all get out. But because these were going to Democrats and Democrat supporters like CNN, uh, they called it the MAGA bomber. And I don't recall tw- Twitter trending two years ago with socialist shooter when Steve Scalise was shot and and a whole bunch of other people were shot at by a a, a Bernie Sanders uh, acolyte uh, this individual is an absolute deranged person and we acknowledge that we said yeah he was a socialist yeah he acknowledged he was a huge Bernie Sanders fan but we didn't lay the feet at the blame of Bernie Sanders we, we laid the blame of the, uh, the blame at the feet of the nut job who took things too far and did that why can't the left model that behavior we set the example for them blame whoever this is, whatever his political stripes may be, but you don't blame the people uh, that are in office who happen to share the party that he likes. Right. The media and the left, but again, I repeat myself, they know that they've been taking a 
drubbing over the last several weeks with respect to Kavanaugh and now this caravan, which is a slow-motion disaster for them. In the run-up to the election, they need to change the subject. Now, whether or not this bomber is from the right or the left is immaterial as far as the, the left is concerned and as far as the media is concerned. They have to get these bad images out of the minds of people and off the television screens. Otherwise... They have seen, in just a couple of weeks, the purported blue wave evaporate almost entirely. So, regardless, again, uh, I'm repeating myself, but regardless of what the facts are, the facts have never bothered the left. This so that's, is that's about exactly right. making sure that those images that are propelling conservatives to the polls are displaced by, as you said, the mega bomber or wall-to-wall coverage of alleged violence on the part of the right. That is exactly what they're doing. They're, everybody knows that this nation uh, co- comforts and supports victims, and we revile and we demonize villains. And so they're trying to portray themselves as the victims here, while the Republicans are the villains, hoping that that's what happens on November 6th. Peter Kirstenau, thank you so much for your time, as always. Appreciate it, sir. Go Browns. Governor Mike DeWine. Ooh, that is a nice ring to it, doesn't it? The next governor of the state of Ohio, Mike DeWine, joins us next right here on AM 1420. The Lynch for Judge. Ten thirty-five. Now the Bob France Authority continues. Outstanding uh, conversation with Peter Kersenow, as they always are. Also, thanks to Congressman Jim Renacci, hopefully soon to be Senator Jim Renacci, who joined us in the first hour of the program. Want to go to the state of Ohio now? Obviously, we are in the state of Ohio, but I mean, two Ohio electoral uh, races. Um, it is imperative that we actually get a Republican in the governor's mansion. I feel like we do not have one now. Uh, after the clip that I just played from John Kasich, essentially surrendering American sovereignty and calling for open borders. And I feel like we can do that. All we have to do is make sure that we get out there and vote for uh, Ohio's Attorney General and the next governor of the state of Ohio, Mike DeWine, and we can get back to actual Republican and conservative principled leadership. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, good to have you, sir. How are you? Hey, Bob, good morning. Good to be with you. Uh, my wife, Fran, and I, and John Houston, the other statewide uh, ticket members, are on a bus. We just left uh, south of, of, of Youngstown, Hanover, and uh, we're headed to Solon right now. So we've got an event there at, at, at 1230. So things are good. And that is great to hear. It's good to know that you and uh, so many other great Republicans are on this tour and uh, and that you're coming to Northeast Ohio to share the message about the future uh, of our state. Before we talk about some of the issues and about uh, you know some of the things that your opponent, uh, Richard Cordray, has said, in particular pre-existing conditions, they keep beating it w- w- like, a, like a drum uh, despite its inaccuracies. Uh, can I just get your thoughts on some of the things that are going on right now? Again, Governor Kasich, are, he's, he's a Republican. Uh, in name, um, he is not acting like one. He just went on CNN and essentially said, let the caravan migrants come into the United States. We don't need to have borders. Uh, he said, because there are people who are in bad conditions and situations around the world, there but for the grace of God go us. So therefore, it's up to us to allow them to come into the United States. Um, again, I, I know you're not running for a federal office, Mr. DeWine, but I'm just interested in your thoughts on that since the current office holder uh, in the governor's mansion is, um, is, is so adamant about that. Well, Bob, you know, we are a nation of immigrants, but uh, we have, we're also a nation of laws. And, you know, we can't 
just open our borders. Uh, you know, no country does that. It makes absolutely no sense. I mean, when you when you look at the, the newsreels, you look at the pictures, the videos of uh, uh, this this large number of people who are, you know came up from Central America now have gone into into Mexico. I mean, uh, President Trump is right. We they we can't let them into the United States. I mean, that just you know makes makes absolutely no sense to do that. Yeah, it, it really does not because you know I I, I, I talked. I think you and I spoke about this um, several months ago, uh, Mr. Attorney General, and that is about the sanctuary city city status. Now we're going to bring this into your wheelhouse and into your realm sure. and into our sure. state. You know, there there are a lot of people seem to think that the, some people anyway seem to think that the illegal immigration problem in the United States stops at our at our border states that everybody congregates in you know Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California, and that is not the case. We know they come all over the country, and there is a large population of illegal immigrants who are taking jobs away from and taking resources away from lower-skilled Americans and legal immigrants right here in the Buckeye State. And we have to find a way to deal with that, do we not? Well, sure. No, you're absolutely right. And, of course, what I see as Attorney General, uh, you know, the the drugs that are coming into the United States are coming out of the Mexican drug cartels in Mexico. And, you know, for example, fentanyl. It comes over from China. Usually, uh, Mexican drug cartels mix it down there, pre-mix it. It comes across the border. It is coming across the border, uh, you know, many times uh, by people who are illegal. I mean, there's just absolutely no no, no doubt about that. So we see the, that in Ohio, um, and that doesn't mean everybody that's bringing stuff in, drugs in, is illegal. Some are legal, but uh, a number of them are, in fact, illegal and and we know that, frankly, by, you know, who we arrest up here. I'm glad you brought up fentanyl, and I'm glad you brought up, you know, the drugs that cross the border illegally and how it does reach our state, because that also brings me to uh, to an issue that we're all going to vote on when we vote for you for governor uh, on November 6th, and that is issue one, the only actual uh, issue. It's going to be a constitutional amendment to the Ohio Constitution that is, well, I think the best uh, phrasing of this, uh, Mr. DeWine, is that uh, it came from uh, somebody with the Ohio Coroners Association, I believe, who said that... Uh, Issue one will open, uh, I'm sorry, will empty Ohio prisons, and it will fill Ohio's morgues. Uh, and, and I think it really is as simple as that. It is an absolutely terrible uh, proposal. Um, I understand there are some who believe there's a need for uh, criminal justice reform, and that's fine. But to allow someone to be trafficking up to, what is it, 19 grams of um of fentanyl, for example, which can kill 10,000 people with only probation and a slap on the wrist as a misdemeanor, as the punishment, is just beyond anything I've ever heard. Your thoughts, sir? That that, that quote from one of the coroners, the Coroners Association, is absolutely right. It's going to be more dead people uh, filling up on morgues. It is just absolutely makes no sense. I I cannot understand uh, how Richard Cordray could be for this. Um, he is almost alone among elected officials in the state of Ohio or people who are running for office. Uh, you, you described it very well. Uh, someone with 19 grams of fentanyl, a drug dealer who was found in possession of 19 grams. Uh, you could not, the police could pull them over, find that in, in a legal search, let's assume that, and couldn't arrest them, couldn't do anything because it is a misdemeanor. Uh, but it's a misdemeanor with no jail time. So where do you think, you know, if you live along Ohio's border or close to Ohio borders, 
uh, I would be very concerned about this particularly because where do you think drug dealers from Indiana, from Kentucky, from West Virginia, from Michigan, from Pennsylvania, all those states, it's a major felony to possess that much fentanyl. In Ohio, it would become a misdemeanor with, with no jail time. Uh, what in the world is Richard Cordray thinking? I mean, Ohio would become under this basically, you know, a, a, a sanctuary state. Uh, you know, you could go hide. You could go hang out if you were a drug dealer. And um, that's, what, that's what exactly is going to happen. The other, you know, it's got a lot of other ramifications. One is um, that everybody in prison, with the exception of rapists, murderers, and a couple others, but virtually everybody in our prison system, we have about 50,000 people in our prison system today, almost everybody w- would instantly become eligible for reduction in, 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 in sentence up to one quarter uh, if they, quote, participated, whatever that means, participated in uh, programming in prison. So you could have a human trafficker, human trafficker who could get up to one quarter of the sentence off. You could have a major drug dealer who could do the same thing and get out early kind of get out of prison uh, card, and it, it, it makes absolutely, uh, you know, n- no sense. Someone who uh, is a child pornographer. Oh. I mean, do we really want child pornographers to get out early after the judge has given them a sentence, and then this would override the sentence? It just makes no sense. No, it really does not, and 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 nor does the the notion that while well, they can they can get better treatment on the outside than they can on the inside. When this particular constitutional amendment would not provide any punitive measures for those who don't, if you skip your sessions, your well, therapy, your treatment, et, et cetera, et cetera, there is no so, return to prison, well, which means they just get right back into the life. And and, and let's broaden a little. Anybody who's sentenced uh, for a felony and put on probation not sentenced, but put on probation. Um, they could not, the judge could not revoke their probation unless they committed a separate crime. So uh, what's going to happen is, and judges have already told me this, they said, look, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put very many people on probation because we would have absolutely no control over them. So, you know, the probation officer might as well uh, hang up their, uh, you know, their, their bag uh, because they could not revoke someone's probation. So it, none of this just makes any sense. And, and you're right. Look, we constantly need to reexamine our laws and to make sure that we're, you know, locking up the most dangerous people and keeping them locked up for a long, long, long time. If there's ways to deal with other people, we need to be open to do that. That's genuine reform, and we should have, go through the normal legislative process of holding hearings, talking about it, hearing from both sides. Uh, I'm very open to doing that. But this thing, as I'm sure you, you, you've informed your listeners, uh, was brought to Ohio by people who do not live in Ohio. This is George Soros and others who put up millions and millions and millions of dollars. So when you see an ad on TV, when our listeners see an ad on TV in favor of state issue one, I can almost guarantee you that ad is not paid for by someone who lives in the state of Ohio. It's paid for by people who couldn't, you know, couldn't find soul in Ohio, couldn't find shirt, couldn't find any place in Ohio, and, and are lucky if they can find Ohio on a, on a national map. So people need to understand that. That's who's running these ads. And the ads, of course, are very, very misleading. 
Mr. Uh, Mike DeWine is our guest, Ohio's, Ohio's Attorney General, and hopefully the next governor of the state of Ohio. And it's uh, unfathomable to me that your opponent in this race, Richard Cordray, supports Issue 1, which means he does not support laws. He does not support uh, the protection and the security of people from the incredible amount of drug trafficking in this in this state that is going to expand exponentially. You're right, exponentially from all. We'll be the hub. We'll be the drug trafficking hub of the Midwest. All of our border states around us are going to come in here and say, you know what, why should we sell in in Indiana when we're going to go to prison if we get caught, when we can sell in Ohio when all we get is a slap on the wrist and some probation? Let's go. Let's talk a little more about Richard Cordray. Uh, I, I wish I knew how much money he had spent, uh, but I can't turn a TV channel on without seeing him or his, uh, his uh, um, uh, minions uh, accusing you of trying to uh, take uh, uh, health insurance away from people with pre-existing conditions. It has been the mantra. It is what they decided to seize upon to try to win this race. I talked to your uh, running mate, uh, uh, Mr. Husted, a couple of weeks ago about this. I want to hear it from you as well. Can you please dispel with those myths about pre-existing conditions? Well, thank you very much, Bob, for asking me that. And, you know, this is not just in Ohio. You can go to other states and see almost the identical ads. This is the Democrat playbook for this year. And what they have done is they've taken anybody like myself who was not in favor of Obamacare. I was not in favor of Obamacare. Look, I thought it was unconstitutional. Uh, I, I, I thought that it's ridiculous to have these individual mandates, uh, taxes, uh, not being able to choose your doctor. So they've taken that position and said, oh, well, that means DeWine is against coverage for pre-existing illnesses. Simply not true. Um, I, we went back and checked my voting record just to see how many times I had voted on this. I voted on this seven different times, one time to the U.S. House, six times in the U.S. Senate. Every single time I voted to cover pre-existing illnesses. I mean, imagine, you know, Fran and I have eight children, we have 23 grandchildren. Nobody with a family that large doesn't have some medical problems. Uh, asthma is in our family, some of our children, some of our grandchildren. So we get it. Uh, we would never want anyone to be in a position where they lost their job uh, and had to get new insurance. And then, let's say, someone 45 loses their job, their wife has cancer, their, their husband has cancer, and they can't get insurance. That's not what we want. So here it is. My commitment to the people of the state of Ohio is really simple. Um, if anything happens in the future uh, so that pre-existing is, is not covered and insurance companies no longer have to cover that, uh, we will take action at the state level uh, to deal with this. People should be able, number one, to always be able to get insurance, and they should be able to get it at a reasonable cost. Uh, we don't want a situation where, yeah, you, we'll sell it to you, but because you have a pre-existing, you know, it's, it, it is this price. There are ways and things the state can do. Uh, one of the things the states, the states used to do uh, um, is, is have what they call high-risk pools, and, and they basically spread, spread that risk out, spread that cost out. So we're not going to be in a situation, while well, I'm governor at least, where we go back and do not, have, you know, where, where, we, where we do not have coverage for pre-existing illnesses. Very, very important. Look, Democrats know this. I've told this to Richard Cordray in debate after debate, but they rather distort and lie uh, about what you know what is what is going on. And uh, I don't shy away from the fact that uh, I thought Obamacare was a mistake, but that doesn't mean there aren't some things, you know, with Obamacare that that make a lot of good sense. 
Yeah, well, I think some of the things that it attempted to address make good sense, but it did it completely, you know, erroneously. In other words, we do have to provide, we do need to have health insurers be able to provide coverage for people with pre-existing conditions. But to do it in the manner that Obamacare did, which I know is why you voted against it, and of course forcing that unjust, unconstitutional mandate on every American to buy a product, uh, that they do not want from a, from a private business, or, or be forced to take it under penalty of law from, uh, from the, from the, uh, uh, you know, federal, uh, uh, um, exchanges uh, that that was just absolutely wrong, and and you were correct in in voting yep. against it. But it does not mean you oppose pre-existing conditions. I, there's no, no easy I, answer, I, I obviously, to, to paying for it. But uh, but I do want to point that out. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. I just appreciate you asking the question because uh, they have spent, by our calculations, at least eight million dollars, maybe more, on this particular ad. And there's been different variations and versions of it, and. The other thing I would point out is a lot of their money is coming from California. A lot of their money is coming from New York. Um, you know, they are, these people are loading down. They want to elect Richard Cordray governor in Ohio, not because they care about Ohio, but rather because they want to defeat Donald Trump in 2020. They want to elect the Democrat president of the United States, and they see one of the things, ways to do that uh, and move forward is to elect a Democrat in 2018 as governor of Ohio. Last thing before you go, because I'm sure your bus is getting closer to your destination, but Mr. DeWine, we're talking to Mike DeWine, Ohio's Attorney General, and hopefully its future governor. Um, can you just make make a, an appeal to Republicans about how important it is to get out there and vote for you, especially those, I started off our conversation uh, by talking about John Kasich. There are a lot of Ohio Republicans who are very disenchanted with uh, with John Kasich, and thus, you know, they, they wonder, does, does it matter if we have a Republican governor if he's not going to act like one? So can you can you tell Ohio voters, you know, why you're different, why you're not going to be, you know, Kasich business as usual and inspire them to get out there and vote for you? Because it is that important to this state that we keep sure. Richard Cordray and the Democrats who have bled this state dry looking back to the Strickland years. Yeah. We can't let them have the, the reins again. Richard Cordray, if he's elected governor of the state, uh, will will take up where he left off. Uh, he spent five and a half years in Washington as, as a huge regulator. Uh, his actions caused um, us in Ohio to lose a number of our community banks because of overregulation. Um, we don't need to go back. We don't need to go back to the taxes of Strickland and Cordray. Uh, Cordray has said that he will have programs, and we have new programs. We have counted up the cost four billion. That's with a B dollars per year cost. And where do you think that money is going to come from? It's going to come from the people who are listening to your show today. That's right. Uh, it's going to increase their taxes dramatically over a four-year period. We think at least three thousand uh, dollars. Households, look, that's a big, big, big hit. We cannot have. I'm committed to keeping taxes low, regulations rational and reasonable, uh, and focusing on jobs, job creation in the state of Ohio. Creating an environment in Ohio that is that is pro jobs, uh, helping people get the skill sets they need. Um, I believe that we have a great future, Bob, in the state of Ohio, and uh, I, I just I think that uh, you know we need to move forward. But going going with with uh, Cordray is, is going is going backwards. And uh, you know if you look at my my positions over the years, whether it's on immigration or other things, you know I'm. I'm Clearly, clearly, the conservative in this race, and uh, my opponent Richard Cordray is, is the ultra liberal. I mean, he is very far to the left 
if you like Elizabeth Warren, you would love. <laughs> that's that. That's that's a great uh, comparison and a great analogy to make, Mr. Dewine. Thank you so much. I know you're busy. I know you got a lot of things to strategize with your uh, colleagues there on the bus. Thank you for coming. Best of luck at the event today in Solon at twelve thirty. Correct. At twelve twelve thirty, and uh, the PDI group uh, in Solon. So, thank you. I appreciate having the chance to be on the show again. I hope you get a lot of people out there to support you today. Thanks very much, Mr. DeWine. That's Mike DeWine, the Attorney General of the State of Ohio, hopefully the next governor of the State of Ohio. I'm very much uh, uh, enthused about the possibilities in this race. I know there are some very strange endorsements of Richard Cordray that we have tried to discuss and talk away here, but honestly, if you care about the future of the state from a legal perspective and a security perspective, uh, you have to support uh, Mike DeWine. Richard Cordray actually supports Issue 1, which is going to raise so much crime in this state and so many drugs it is not even it's hard to comprehend all right let's get out and come back in again to wrap this one up on am 1420 the answer yeah that's uh that's a packed show i think uh we could uh dare say and uh that means we have a very short sta- short segment here on the uh, on the back end on the way out. Mike Gallagher is coming up uh, right after the top of the hour uh, news here on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Thanks again to my guest today, Jim Renacy, who is part of that bus tour as well. Joined me in the first half hour of the program. Thanks to um, Peter Kersenow, who joined me in the uh, second hour of the program, and then of course to Mike Dewine, Ohio's next governor. I think it's really really important to, that we rally behind all of these people. And I'm going to say it again as we head out the door here. You don't have to wait till till uh, November six. Please don't wait till the last second to go and vote when you have to fight the lines and you have to fight the, well, the other battles that might take place in line. Uh, get your vote in early. If you're a Republican, get your vote in early. If you're a Democrat, I don't care when you vote or if you vote. As a matter of fact, I prefer. Never mind. Republicans, go vote at your board of elections right now. Early voting is in effect, and you can indeed make sure that we hold the House, that we grow the, the uh, number in the Senate, that we do keep the uh, governor's mansion or return it to the Republican hands after Democrat John Kasich. Go and cast your vote this weekend. I'll talk to you Monday right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.